0: Continue in the series that we've been doing across all the campuses on faith. Everyone say faith. So uh, all the There's still some music going. I'm not going to do a dance. I tried that once. Half the church. No. I'm joking. <laughs> um so yeah we're continuing in the series which is going across all the campuses on on faith uh this is part three in the series if you are interested in hearing the other parts you can uh go to the c3 roselle uh app no c3 oh no what do i say Uh, a (laughs) podcast c3 go to go to your podcast type in c3 roselle and all the messages are there uh for the previous weeks and this one will be there today if you uh Interested. So, faith, faith. You know, before, um, before followers of Christ were, knowing, were known as, uh, or by their denominations, even before they were known as Christians, whether it be Catholics or Protestants, before they were known as Baptists or Anglicans or Methodists or even Pentecostals, before all that, there was a term that Christians were known for that we read about in the Bible, and the term is believers. In Acts 4.32 and throughout the book of Acts, it, it calls the Christians, it says, all the believers were in one heart and one mind. Believers, to believe, is what a Christian is. To believe, to believe God, to believe God's Word. Um, people who believe what God says. Another word that the Bible uses to believe is, is faith, to have Faith, and if you've read through the Bible, you see those two words sometimes used interchangeably. Um, but Hebrews eleven six says, "Without faith, it's impossible to please God." So, to to, to have faith or to believe, without that, it's impossible to please Him. But the question is, faith in what? Because a lot of people, even non Christians, they have they have faith. Because faith is to believe, but they believe in something. So it's not just believing in something. It's not just having faith in something that the Bible's talking about. It's talking about faith in God, faith in God's word, faith in God's promises, faith in God's character, faith in God's goodness. That's what the Bible's talking about. Because, you know, sometimes you'll talk to different people and they'll say, well, it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you believe it. And as long as you're convinced in it, then that's what's important. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it's faith, it's believing in God, in God's Word. And who He is, that is what uh, connects us with Him firstly and releases His power and His promises and the things that He says He'll do into our lives. So faith in what? Faith in God. Faith in a God who you must be convinced actually loves you he 's actually for you he 's actually he 's actually looking and focused on you right now that 's what the bible says that 's what it promises that he wants the very best for you and sometimes we struggle with that um, it 's a, a little bit like the story of the man who came back from from war and in war he, he Man, it, well, he, he happened to uh, fall upon a uh, or, or get uh, physically damaged, and he went when he went away. He was engaged, and uh, he got part of his uh, body was disfigured and part of his face. And then on the on the plane trip back from war, he he was quite nervous about how his fiance was going to react because he he wasn't looking his best. And he gets home and and he meets his fiance and and he says, oh, "I'm I'm so sorry." Um for the way I look, and he says i oh, she says i don 't love you because of just the way you look you didn 't look that good before <laughs> I love you because of who you are, and that 's what the Bible says to us. sometimes we try and dress up our best or 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 do our best and and we think well that 's what 's going to please god but because of sin and just the way of our nature, we're disfigured in certain ways and we say, Oh, sorry, God, I, I stuffed up here and sorry, God, I, I didn't do that, and I'm trying to do my best. And and God says, You you weren't that good before. And I don't love you because you're so perfect and you got it all together. I love you because you belong to me. You love I love you because you lo- because I love I love you because of who you are. I love you because I'm committed to you. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible teaches us. So when we come to God, we're not thinking, oh, I don't know if, if God will answer my prayer. I don't know if God really cares about me because I stuffed up here and I, I didn't do that. And I said that word and, and I had those thoughts and, and you know, I, I'm, I've got this disfiguring. And that, so God's not going to love me. But God sees beyond all of that. He doesn't love us because we're perfect. He doesn't answer our prayers because we've got it all together. He answers our prayers because we believe, because we say, God, I put my trust in you and I haven't got it all together and I'm not perfect and I'm working on stuff in my life, but I reach out to you. I believe what you say is for me and I take a hold of it. That's what the Bible talks about when it talks about having faith in God, when it talks about, it's not having faith because we're so good and we've got it all together, but because He's so good and He's got it all together. And when we put our trust in Him, He will come through for us. He will answer our prayers. That's good news. So there's the Bible talks about different types of faith, faith in God. Um, but there's another type of faith that we read about in the Scriptures, and it's, it, it's talking about faith, and he uses the example of Thomas, faith, in the natural, faith in what we see, faith in just our uh, physical or natural um, senses. Uh, Thomas, you may have read in the Bible, Thomas was even one of the disciples. He was even an apostle, the Bible says. Uh, He lived with Jesus three years. But in John 20, 24 to 25, it says this. This is after Jesus has died and Thomas is there. And it says, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, Um, So if this can happen to a disciple, an apostle, then this can also happen to us. Um, He was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Thomas is an example that is in the Bible of someone who, who has faith, but they've got faith in the circumstances. When these things come to pass, then I'll believe. When Jesus appears here, then I'll believe that he's risen from the dead. And even as Christians, we can have faith that Jesus rose from the dead and we're getting to heaven. But when it comes to God working in our life or moving in our circumstances or answering our prayer, we have sort of got this kind of faith where it's like, well, I'll I'll believe it when I see it. Um, I can only believe it when I see it or hear it or feel it, smell it or or touch it. When I see it with my eyes is uh, is what Thomas was saying, then I'll believe it. You don't have to be a Christian to have that kind of faith. And the Lord actually chastises Thomas a little bit when he does appear to him and says, hey, you want to put your hand in here? He's saying, you know, don't limit your life to living by your senses because anybody can do that. But I want to cause you to, to live at another level, a, a level of faith that takes you out of just living by the natural and what you can see and what you can feel and, and, and what you can connect with in your natural, uh, your natural senses But to actually live at a level where you believe in God, not simply because you can see it, but because you believe that it's going to come to pass, that it is actually going to happen. That's what the Bible talks about when it talks about faith. Some people will say, I'll believe I'm healed when I see the test results and put my fingers on the health report that says I'm healed. Then I'll believe I'm healed. Or I'll believe God will meet my need when I see the money in my bank account and put my fingers on the cash. Then I'll believe that God has come through for me. Or I'll believe I have a new job when I see the letter of employment and put my fingers on my new desk. Then I'll believe that God has actually come through for me. But that's not the faith that the Bible talks about when it talks about living by faith. It's talking about believing these things before they come to pass. I believe God's given me a new job before the phone's rung and they've said you've got the job because God says he's going to meet all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus um, so many times over and over again i've prayed with people and believed with people for for jobs and for breakthroughs and for certain things and and Part of the process is is helping people get to the point where you've got to believe God, and it's counterintuitive. You've got to believe you've got it before you've got it. You've got to believe God's come through before it's come to pass. The Bible says that we live by faith and not by sight. That's what the Bible's talking about when it's talking about actually living at a level that God has called us to live at. And we can all live at the natural. We can all live by our senses and... God's not going to send you to hell for that. He's not going to go, oh, you don't have to live at that level. You don't have to live where, with everybody else where you're just living by chance. And chance happens to everybody. But where you can actually begin to hold on to God's promises. You can actually begin to believe what God says, exercise some faith, and see God move in your circumstances will say they have faith and they believe God but what they really have is is uh a, like a Hinduism Hinduism believes in fatalism which is whatever happens will happen it's all sort of pre-ordained and if it happens it happens if it's if it's going to happen it's meant if it's meant to happen it'll happen and I've heard Christians at different points say the same kind of thing well God's God you know if God's God then and he loves me, then he'll give me what he wants to give me, and I'll just accept that. That's not Christianity. That's Hinduism. That's fatalism, where whatever happens will happen. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing. So don't be anxious of it. But but there's another part to that scripture. A lot of people say, oh, just don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. The Bible says, don't be anxious. Have the peace of God. But that's not the whole scripture. The Scripture says, be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart in Christ Jesus. So it says don't be anxious, but there's another part to it. Pray. Call on God. Take a hold of His Scriptures. Begin to exercise your faith reach out to God, and then He's going to bring about the promises. Then He's going to move. Then these things will happen. They're not just going to happen because we're believers. The Bible doesn't say that God's moved by need. It doesn't say He's moved even by love. In uh, First Corinthians chapter 13, it says that if you, have, uh, if you have faith that can move mountains but have not love, then you will mount to nothing. Or that that God's not impressed is basically what it's saying. But it doesn't say that the love moves the mountain. It says, if you have faith that moves mountains, then you do not have... So love's important. Loving people, caring, loving God, loving others. That's that's the, the great commandment. But love doesn't move God. The Bible says it's faith in God... Faith in God, and you say, "Oh, I love God so much. Why isn't He moving in my life? Se- I love people. I'm helping people. I'm loving, loving, loving it, which is awesome. But the Bible says love doesn't move. Love doesn't release God's power. Love doesn't move, change our circumstances. It's faith in God's word. It's believing that what God says will happen, and not just happen to somebody else. It's going to happen to me." It's going to happen in my life, in my circumstances, in my family, in my job, in my business, in my career. That's what moves God. That's what causes things to happen. So love is an awesome thing. It's a vital thing. As it says in 1 Corinthians 13 there, if you don't have it, then your life's just a sounding gong and it'll amount to nothing. But that's not what releases God's power into our life. We love God, but we have faith. And love people, but we have faith in God's word, and so so often in our sincerity, we think God, but and we get disappointed and we get disillusioned because we think I'm I'm doing all these things, I'm helping people, I'm loving, I'm giving, I'm. But are we really in our heart believing that God's going to come through for us? That is that that thing is really going to change. That's what moves God. The Bible says we don't want to have a faith like Thomas that says. I'll just believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when it happens. That's fatalism. But the Bible says there's another way. We don't have to just wait and see what happens. We can hold on to the promises of God and see those things coming to pass in our life. There's another person in the Bible that exercised faith. In the the Old Testament, his name was King David. And uh, there's a circumstance that, and there's, well, there's a number of points. I'm going to limit it to two because I don't want to keep you here all afternoon. But there's some lessons in how we exercise our faith. You say, well, have faith. Well, what does it look like? How can I do it? So in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, there's a story. You may have heard it. You may not. But it's about uh, uh, David before he was king. He was a, probably a teenager, late teens. And uh, he went out to fight a giant called Goliath you may have heard about this story it's in 1 samuel chapter 17 and and uh just a bit of the back story uh, uh david had some brothers they were down at the war they were all lined up he'd gone down to take some food down to his brothers he saw goliath out on the hill and and uh he's everyone was scared and and um petrified about what was happening and he's looking and he's bringing food around and he and he thinks well they say, and then he heard that the king had said, if anyone's prepared to go out and fight him and kill him, then uh, the king will give him a lot of riches, won't have to pay any taxes. Mate, that's worth it, <laughs> and uh, he'd even give him the one of his daughters to marry. I don't know about that, but um, so it says in one Samuel 17, Samuel seventeen thirty two. So faith. We're talking about faith. What does it look like and how do you exercise it? The, thing we, the lesson we learned from David in this story is that you can't have faith in God without knowing God, without developing a relationship where you learn to trust. Any relationship, anyone that's in a relationship, whether you're married, whether you're in a relationship, trust is developed over time, isn't it? Trust is developed as you get to know somebody. You m- first meet somebody, You don't always trust them straight away. And sometimes it's not a wise thing to do. The trust is developed over time. It's exactly the same with our relationship with God. When we first come to know God, we don't just, oh, I give you my life. I trust you with everything. And even the disciples didn't do that. You see a process of trust and development and and engagement with the Lord. He didn't just walk up to them on the first day and go, lay down your life for me. And they're like, who are you? No, it says... First, he said, come and see, come and get to know me, come and spend some time with me. And as they got spent time with Jesus, they learned to love Jesus. As they spent time with Jesus, they learned to trust Jesus. And as they learned to trust Jesus, at the last point, he said, whoever would follow me will take up their cross. Uh, Sorry, whoever would come after me would take up their cross and follow me. In other words the highest level of commitment to God is where you're prepared to let everything go and do what he's asked you to do but he doesn't say that to them when they first meet him so there's a process of trusting and so David it says in 1 Samuel seventeen thirty two, it says David said to Saul let no one lose heart on the account of this Philistine your servant will go and fight for him and everyone was like what this kid who does he think he is? How does he think he can fight this Goliath that the Bible says who's been a soldier since his youth? He's got so much experience, so much size, so much, um, uh, so, so much uh, more going for him. And yet David's confidence was not just the confidence of youth. Um, you know, you talk to some teenagers or some young people, and they say, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And, and sometimes it's like, well, that's just the confidence of youth give you a couple of years and let's see what you've got to say about that. But it wasn't just based on youth. David's confidence was based on the fact that he knew God. And if you read through some of the Psalms that he wrote, many of them in his younger days, like Psalm 23, which many of you may have heard of, but the first line, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. He lays me down in Green Party. It goes on and on. Yea, they'll walk to the valley of the shadow of death. Oh, fear no evil. You're rotting your stuff. They will comfort me. Where does that come from? It comes from the fact that he knew God. He had a relationship that had developed over time out on the hills of, uh, of Jerusalem where he'd look after sheep and night after night. Um, I don't know how many conversations he had with the sheep, but I, I, I'm sure it wasn't many. But out there he learnt to know well he he got to know God he got to learn to trust God over that time and so when he went when this giant came into his world it wasn't like some kind of youthful exuberance he knew God and he knew what God was capable of through him and therefore he had a confidence to go you know what I'm not going to I'm not concerned about this situation I'm not concerned about this giant Psalm 27 says this though an army besiege me Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. What the heck? How do you write something like that? Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Where does this come from? It comes from the knowledge of God. He's not confident in his own ability and his own strength and his own prowess and the sword and the spear. His faith, his trust, his confidence is in God and what God is able to do because he knew God. He knew God was for him. He knew he wouldn't let him down. He knew he would back him. Um, I, even then, I'll be confident. And so to stand, everyone in life at different times, giants will appear on the landscape of your life. It could be relational. It could be uh, business it could be financial, it could be other circumstantial situations, but they're so uh, big and overwhelming and, and threatening. They're like a Goliath that marches out on the windswept hills of our life and begins to defy our faith and begins to defy our future and defy our confidence as Goliath did to Israel. Who is this God, Goliath said, that you put your trust in? Come out here, somebody, and fight against me. And circumstances will come at times that, that, that defy you to believe God, defy you to stand up and fight, defy you to, to continue to believe and trust and move forward. And it's at those times... Sometimes the giant of debt, the giant of financial ruin, the giant of sickness, an impossible situation that comes into our world and says, you believe God? God can't get you out of this. God can't change this. You come out and fight against me. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to take you down. You'll never get out of this. You'll never get through this. You'll never be able to overcome this. The, has anyone ever heard those voices? Anyone ever had that voice come at you? That's the voice of Goliath, the voice of the enemy that says, you are never going to make it. And the only way we're able to stand up against that voice is not in our own ability, in our own confidence, in our own strength or our own knowledge. Or our, It's our trust in the Lord God Almighty. It's our trust, as David said, he knew that God would back him up. He knew that God was able to do immeasurably more than all he asked, thought, or imagined. He knew that he wasn't standing there on his own. His confidence was in God. Where did that confidence come from? Where did that faith come from? It came from the fact that he knew God. He spent some time with the Lord. And if, there's, if we're going to develop a faith and a trust and a confidence that is going to um, stand strong, When the Goliaths come, and I'm telling you, when you live life, it's not a matter of if, but when. When they come. When situations arise. How are we going to stand? And what are we going to do? I encourage you to get to know the Lord. Spend some time with God. We spend so much time educating ourselves. We spend so much time getting experience. We spend so much time preparing and doing all these other things to be equipped Life, to be successful in marriage, to be successful in raising. But there's no better way um your time than to spend some of that time getting to know God. So that there's strength in your spirit, faith knows it's God. So that we also can say with David, you know, when we've lost our job or the business is on the, on the brink of ruin or, or, or we're in a startup and, and there's just so much going on and, so, and, and everything sort of uh, in flux or in flow that we can stand up with David and say, you know what, the Lord is my shepherd. I won't go without. The Lord is my shepherd. He will not let me down. It's one thing to quote the scripture and have it on our fridge it's another thing to actually believe that that's going to come to pass in our life. And that develops as we spend some time with God. To be able to say with David, though an army though an army of investors come against me or as an a, an army of competitors come and try and take out my business or 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 take out my family, or whatever it is, though an army besiege me, though I'm outnumbered, a hundred to one, my heart will not fear. I mean, I'm challenged by that verse. I don't know about you, but that challenges me. Where does that come from? Because he knew God. He knew Jesus. He knew the Lord. And what he was capable of, and not just what he was capable of, but what he would be willing to do. Many of us believe that God is able to do immeasurable things. Many of us believe that He's omnipotent, all-powerful, and can do it. The challenge is then believing that He's prepared to do that for me, that He loves me so much. I was talking to someone the other day, and they were saying, "You know, I, it's a challenge to believe that God, with everything going on, and all the people, and all the challenge, that, that God's focus." actually be on me that's that's not uncommon i hear that regularly and it's because we think as i said that that it's because we're worthy of god's attention that he gives us his attention but that's not why he gives us his attention the focus is not on us at all if we take our eyes off ourselves and actually begin to learn about god his love for us his commitment to us as we look at the life of jesus and what he was prepared to do for God so loved the world, as we begin to focus on that, as we begin to get revelation in that, as we begin to understand God's love for us, then we can begin to believe that He actually cares and will move in our circumstance, not because we deserve it and not because we're so good and we've got our life all together, but because He loves us so much. He's so committed to us that He will not let us down when we put our trust in Him, when we reach out to Him. Though an army besiege me. Faith is not just brash assumption or a positive mental attitude. You hear a lot about that. Faith comes out of a relationship with a living God. Not faith in an outcome. I have faith that this, this event that this is going to be the outcome. No, our faith is not in the outcome. Our faith is in God. Sometimes the outcome is not the outcome that we anticipated, but the outcome is the best outcome. For us, because a loving God has actually orchestrated and blessed us in that way. It's not faith in an outcome. It's not faith that something will happen. It's not faith that the money will come. It's faith in God. Faith in His provision. Faith in His love. Faith in His goodness. It's faith in a God who can affect the outcome and desires to. It's faith in a God of abundance who said, I'll meet every one of your needs in Christ Jesus. It's faith in God that comes through a relationship with God. My second point. So the first one was faith. How do you have faith? Faith comes from knowing God. And as we get to know God, we can exercise our faith because we know who He is. And the second one, faith grows through use. You've got to use faith. You've got to begin to step out. It doesn't just accumulate. It's like a muscle. If you don't use it, it doesn't. It atrophies. It actually begins to shrink as we use it, as we stretch, as we step out, as we put our trust in God, our faith grows. Our ability to trust grows. It says uh, in 1 Samuel 17, in, in the life of David again, it says, but David said to Saul, when he said, how are you going to do this? You're just a young kid. Look at this guy. Where does this confidence come from? He say, I don't believe it. And David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Wow. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. You ever seen those shows on TV where they have the reenactments of people that get attacked by a bear? Who's seen The Revenant? Revelent. Anyone seen The Revenant where he gets attacked by that bear? Three people. You haven't seen The Revenant? Put your hand away if you've seen The Revenant. revelant I always get that wrong. What is it? The Revenant. Who's seen The Revenant? No wonder you're not putting your hands up. <laughs> Revenant? Never heard of it. The Revenant. And he gets attacked by that bear. I mean, that's, the same, that's what David's talking about. A bear came at him and he actually grabbed it and got a knife and killed it. Oh. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. He's saying not because I'm awesome and I'm unreal and I've got it all together. He says because this, this, this Philistine, this Goliath, is coming against God and God's desire and God's purpose. God's purpose for Israel, God's purpose for our people. And that's the confidence that we have, that this this situation, this giant, this circumstance is coming against God's desire and purpose for my life. It says He's got a desire to bless me, to prosper me, to look after me. He's given me gifts, talents, and abilities to use to to build His kingdom and to bless people, to make a difference in the world. And if I'm doing that, then I can be confident that He's going to back me up no matter what comes against me. Um, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. He'd overcome his fear through smaller steps of faith. God didn't just go, okay, David, there's Goliath. Go out and get him, son. No, he'd allowed circumstances into his world that had forced him to grow and he's trusting God. And you know what? Sometimes the biggest challenges in our life, the, the most difficult circumstances, the the, the, most, the, the hardest and most um, discouraging times that we work through and we, we battle with are actually the things that are preparing us for our brightest future. And yeah. that, that we think, God, how can you allow me to go through this? And he's saying, I'm allowing it. I don't like it, but I'm allowing it because it's strengthening you and challenge you and causing you to develop in a way that's going to allow you to hold on to and believe and take a hold of the things that you desire and I have promised to you. He doesn't just go, okay, out there. and go. He allows these smaller battles, these lions, these bears of, of financial or, or relational situations or challenges that cause us to, to grapple with our faith, our grapple with our relationship with God, grapple with how to work this whole thing out. That's what God's allowing. So those challenges that we're asking God to take away sometimes are actually the things that He's allowing because He loves us so much and helping us deal with sometimes our own insecure. David was a very insecure guy, if you read through the whole story. Um, and sometimes our own insecurity, our own weaknesses, these things that will actually undo the desires that we have, the things that, that will actually cause the things that we want to unravel because we don't have the, 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 um, uh, the uh, development, if you like, in these areas, the healing that we need. God will allow these things so that we've got to deal with them. We've got to face them. We've got to work through them. And that whole time we're growing stronger. We're actually growing and we're developing in our faith in God. Hebrews 11.1 one says this, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Not seen. Not seen. And so, faith is an essential element to living the full life that God's called us to live. You know, we read these promises in the Bible and God's going to meet this need and He's going to be there for us in that and and. And all those promises are real and they're all potentially ours. They're all potentially ours. The way we take a hold of them is not by just going, well, God, you're sovereign and you're in charge of the universe and if you want me to have that thing, then you'll give it to me. But if you don't, that's okay because I'm just nothing in this world. I'm just a lonely worm scrapping around in the bottom of the ground and rolling in the dust, and, I don't, and I'm not worthy of anything. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you are loved of God. He loves you so much that Jesus went to a cross like that so that we could have the life, the transformation, the healing, the development in our, so that we can have the best marriage so that we can have the best family, so that we can fulfill our potential in our career or our business or whatever area that God's called us to, whatever floats our boat. (laughs) It's not about what you do, it's how you do it. So I want to encourage you here today as we go out into this week. All the promises of God are yes in Christ, the Bible says. And over and over again, I meet, you know, Christians pastorally or just, and we get disappointed, don't we? We get disappointed because God didn't come through for me. God didn't answer that prayer. God didn't make that happen. And it, cha- and it challenges us. And life will challenge you. Just because you're a Christian does not mean... That you can float through life without a challenge, without a loss, without grief, without disappointment, without discouragement, without failure. That's not the promise of the Bible. You're going to fail. Say, thanks, Pastor. That's why I came. (laughs) You're going to fail at times. Things are not going to work out at times. You're going to step out at times and and it's not going to work. That's life. That's not God's fault. It's a fallen world. It's a broken world and we're not perfect. But the promise is that God is going to be there every single step of the way. He will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He's going to help us through and through every difficulty, every bad thing, that all things are going to work together for good. God will take the pain, the disappointment, the grief and all those things and He will weave them together in a way that only God can do for it to work out for our benefit, to create strength, healing change and transformation in our life that we can take a hold of the promises that God made, that we can stand up against the Goliaths that come across the landscape of our life and we can say, you know what? Yes, you're threatening and yes, I'm a little bit um, uh, fearful and, and, but I know God's bigger than this. I know God's bigger than that situation. I know God's bigger than everything that can come my way. Let's close our eyes this morning. Father, oh, we're so thankful, Lord, for the promises that are in your word. That you will never let us down. Because you are good. You are good. Let's pray right now. Holy Spirit, you would come. and You would stir our hearts afresh. Maybe you're dealing with disappointment. Maybe your view of God has been tainted by an experience or a circumstance that's happened or a failure, a disappointment. I want to encourage you to just reach out to Him again. That we're not just living living our lives saying, God, I have faith that you're going to, be there and I'm going to get to heaven one day but our faith extends beyond heaven and into this world thank you Jesus